0: It is uh, so good to uh, be here today. Uh, I've been waiting for about um, 10 years for a call back to come and preach by the phone. (laughs) Uh, Before I do uh, share the word uh, today, I think of some of the stories. Um, the sad story is what uh, Lynn shared about um, the seafood bis, beaten by a beaten by a tin of corn and some chicken, <laughs> vitamized. <laughs> but um, I'll forgive uh, you for that. But uh, Alan keeps reminding me, for some reason or other, <laughs> uh, of of that particular story. I, there's many stories, and I'm sure. Uh, between Bert and, uh, myself, uh, we could share many of the old stories and, uh, that could take up, take up all the time. I remember when we, uh, were here at first and Bert remembers too, you, we used to sweat when we preached. <laughs> didn't, didn't we, Bert? Because <laughs> there was no air conditioning in, in, in those days. We finally, um, got to put air conditioning in. This guy came along to our church and, um, he actually had a falling out with, um, the church he was at. And he came here for a little while and then, um, he said, I've been given some money. I want to give a gift to the church. And so we told him about the air conditioning project. Uh, and he gave, he gave money to enable us to get the whole place, uh, air conditioned. And then, uh, the problem where he wasn't his, uh, church to attend was solved and he, w- he went back. He was able to go back and uh, which was really good for him and good about restoration and he said god only brought me here to um give you money to help you air condition the place and um and i guess you've had many stories and looking around at uh, what you've continued to do and and um is really uh, exciting to see and um uh, it's so great to ha- have keith and elizabeth and their family here it's uh, so great to see old faces, maybe not that old and um, i, I wasn 't looking at you <laughs> it's great to, to see you and, and the many fond memories you know the the good times uh, that we had together, the celebrations, some of the weddings, and you know sadly uh, some of the funerals that uh, took place and um, I hope Greg and Fatiaki don't mind me. One of the hardest times was, uh, when, uh, I got a phone call Sunday morning and, um, uh, heard the news of Adam and went over their place and, and I rang around the church and said, I'm just going over to cry with them. And, um, but, but one of the things I've shared different times of the, uh, of the way they showed love to the others, uh, the families and that and their testimony, uh, inspired and encouraged me and I thank God, um, for them. We have many stories. The, some of the highlights, and some of the uh, difficulties. Some of the ones we look around and that were here in the past, that are not here uh, today. And oh, and I just caught Susie there. <laughs> and your husband—I did the wedding. I should remember. <laughs> so great, so great to um, to see you there there as well. Um, I want to... Um, I'll just tell you one other story. When we put the air conditioner in, and, um, I, you know, I'm not a gambler, you know, and um, my wife calls me a risk taker, and um, they gave me instructions because they hadn't fixed the fuse up on the outside. They had to put a bigger one out, out there, and they said, you can only have so many air conditioners on. And I, um, you know, we had ones out the back. I think he said only two. And and I put two on, and I said, well, that's working okay. I'll try one more. And and, and I tried one more, you know, and and, and I couldn't help myself, you know. I I said, I'll try another one. (laughs) And I blew it. (laughs) The the whole lot went, you know. And I know what it's like on those game shows, you know. One more, one more. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and we had to wait a couple of hours before we could get um, the... And or whoever it was, to come and uh, fix the fix that. One other little story. I will preach. One other story. Tony saved my life. Do you know that? He saved my life. Um, we used to pray on a, on a Saturday morning. It wasn't his prayers that saved my life, but but uh, it, it was coming to my place in the office downstairs, and I, I went into the toilet downstairs, and the door knob broke off. And I couldn't get out. And I was uh, banging upstairs, but Lynn and the kids, they weren't interested. But but fortunately, Tony came to the prayer meeting and was able to save me. Otherwise, I'd still be there today. Tony. <laughs> At least I'd had the toilet anyway. So. I want to share with you today uh, on the theme: why are, are we here? Why are we here? And um, yes, we're here in one sense to celebrate uh, what God has done and the blessings that he has uh, continued to pour out through the years, um, the way he has touched different lives and um, and we've all had a privilege to be a part of that journey uh, together. So why are we here? It's a question that I present to you and it's also in a different kind of context I present to other churches around the country To address this question, I guess I want to take a little bit of a journey through the Scriptures. And the first one, a well-known passage in Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age that's probably it yes. Please go up a bit thanks Keith I just want to pray Father, I have one prayer, and it is that you would enable me to step aside and allow your Holy Spirit to bring the word in truth and in power to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. When I think of why we're here, I think of the national vision of the Wesleyan Methodist Church that we brought together. And it is we celebrate every time a disciple makes a disciple and a church multiplies itself until there is the transforming presence of Jesus Christ in every community throughout Australia. John Wesley said, You have nothing to do but to save souls. Therefore spend and be spent in the work and go not only to those that need you but those that need you most. This is why we're here, to go to those that need us most. I remember back when we could fly overseas, I had the privilege of some years back, I not remember exactly how many, but uh, a few years back to go over to Barbados where they had the Wesleyan Methodist uh, International Conference. And um, they, they, you know, the West Indians are cricket fans and I couldn't help myself. And we're all stuck on a bus together and I tried to teach them how to sing a song and it was, come on Aussie, come on. <laughs> and, and and they just couldn't get it right or they didn't want to sing it. I said, come on mum, you know, but they, they didn't want to get in that song. But anyway, while we were there at the conference, the theme of the conference was from everywhere to everywhere, you know. And it wasn't the COVID uh, theme, from everywhere to everywhere. It was a theme about taking the gospel from wherever we were to other places and not just relying on probably the Western countries to take the gospel, but for every country and every person, every church, to be taking the gospel into the communities where they are. This is why we're here, to take that message. It is the Missio Dei, which is that Latin term about the sending of god god has sent us as christians we are called to be sent into the world into the communities into the families and the neighborhoods where god has placed us however to get to the core of what this mission is about we need to have another look at the redemptive story the redemptive story how it it is a theme that is throughout scripture. Sometimes people think it's just in the New Testament, but it is throughout scriptures. It is in the story of Noah where he preached while he was building the ark. He preached out to Um, the people in that time in the hope that they would turn and repent. It is a story in Jeremiah of the potter as he takes the clay and he molds that clay into the very, molds us, we are that clay, that molds us into the very image of God, into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. This story of redemption is found in the story of the lost sheep. The one that's lost, leaving the 99 and going after that one that is lost and wanting to bring them back. It is the story of the prodigal son, the father who sits on the, maybe on the patio looking out, looking out for his son and sees him in a distance and the son was worried, how will I be received? And yet he saw him from a distance and he ran to him, something that a nobleman at that time somebody of his wealth would not do at that time he lifted up his garments and he ran to his son and embraced his son and welcomed him back it is the story of the conversion of Saul that light that shone from heaven where Saul was going around and persecuting the people giving the people uh, uh, Christians a hard time throwing some in jail and some even losing their life and that light shone from heaven and said, Saul, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" And it was Saul's conversion experience, and his name changed to Paul. It is found in Jesus's lament in Jerusalem when Jesus, when wandering, when travelling into Jerusalem, and I love these words in Matthew twenty-three thirty-seven: "O Jerusalem, Jerusalem!" The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her broom under her wings and you were not willing. This picture of Jesus who wants people, draw people to himself. He wants to embrace us. He wants to hold us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And not just us, but those out there in the world. He wants to embrace them. As a mother hen gathers her chicklets under her frolic. It is the story of redemption. The heart cry of God that has traveled down the corridors of time calling humanity, calling us back to himself. He is not just calling us back from a lifestyle that is not pleasing to him, but he's calling us back from outside of a relationship with him into a relationship with him. Our lives are redeemed in the sense that from the time of Adam there was this broken relationship between us and God. And what happened on the cross brought us back into this relationship, gave us the opportunity of having a relationship with God. I've talked with people at times, and they have said to me in their journey that they just wanted to be free to do what they wanted to do. But sometimes this world deceives us. We think that we are free if we just go our own way and do our own thing. But the world and many of its traps actually puts chains around us. It holds us back. It doesn't give us life. It's not like that scripture that Jesus says, I've come that they may have a life and have it to the fullness, an abundant life. But the opposite is, away from Jesus is a life that binds us up, a life that weighs us down, a life that can destroy us. Another word that is closely related to this word, redemption, is reconciliation. And reconciliation relates more to a restored relationship. It is a journey from rebellion against God, and his ways, the coming back through repentance into a relationship with him. And some people say, well, I'm not really in rebellion with God, but the, when we go our own way, we are rebelling with against the one who created us. Israel had the opportunity experiencing God's friendship. And I read in Isaiah 41.8, But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, My friend, my friend, beautiful words. The disciples also experience this transition from servants to friend. No longer do I call you servants, for for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. I call you friends. He called the disciples friends. And if Jesus was here today, well he is here today, but if we see him in person, if we saw him, he would he could say those words to us as Christians. Friends, you are my friends. This friendship is about a relationship. In John seventeen three, as it says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That they may know you. This is more than a head knowledge about God. This is more than just knowing some facts about God. This is actually knowing Him personally, having a relationship with Him, being able to talk to Him, being able to listen to Him, allowing Him to speak to us and having that depth of relationship with him. This is eternal life. It's not just living forever. It's not just living in a really nice place without the pain, without the tears, but it is knowing God. It is knowing him. This redemption or reconciliation is first a restoration of one's relationship with God. Second, but not separately, it is the restoration of one's relationship with others, the Whitcliffe commentary says it is also seen in the lord's prayer forgive us our debtors as we also forgive our debtors those that have sinned against us you know sometimes we 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 think about being forgiven uh finding forgiveness with god but we fail to get about forgiving others but that's part of the deal about a year ago or about a year and a half ago i should say I got a phone call and my cousin was in the hospital in um, uh, the Sunshine Coast. I didn't know he was sick, neither did his family. And I went up there and um, it was his last uh, moments. And uh, we didn't know how long. He was able to stand up and seem to have a bit of life in him. And he just said, I, I wanted you to be here, Rex, and I need you to pray for me. And, and I had some time with him and I shared with him and I asked him a question. And I asked him, "Have you forgiven those that have hurt you?" And he he stopped and thought for a moment, and he said, "It is hard. It is hard, but I have forgiven them." And when he said that, I knew that he had thought about this seriously, because to be honest, it is not easy to forgive others at times. When that you talk to my wife, not, no, we won't, we won't go there. <laughs> but it's not it's not easy at times. To forgive those that have hurt us. And when he was saying that, I knew that he'd been dealing with this. And I prayed with him and he had, you know, surrendered his life to Christ and, and I thought he'd be around for a little while, but the next morning he passed away and went home to be with the Lord. Only about a couple of months ago, I got a phone call and there was this Aboriginal guy. I said, "Can you go visit this guy? And um, he's 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 got cancer, and he doesn't he's not going to live very long. And and um, but he's Catholic, and, I, and he wants the last rites. Well, I'm not a priest, Catholic priest. so I don't know if I can do that. But 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 he said, "No, I want a I want an Aboriginal pastor." And I said, "I guess I can fill that bill." And so I went to see him, and I asked him the same questions. He had a faith. He had a faith in Christ. But I wanted to ask him that question. Have you forgiven those that have wronged you, that have hurt you? And I think as Christians, we forget about this part of the deal. We think about, God, forgive me, but I don't want nothing to do with that person over there. But we can't have it that way. There has to be forgiveness. And it is hard, and we need God's help at times. God, help me to forgive those that have hurt me. Forgive our debtors as we have also forgiven those, our debtors or those who have sinned against us. When I look at this uh, passage, the passage that was read to us earlier as well, and I look at Matthew 22, 37 to 40 where it says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and this is the greatest in the first commandment, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbour as yourselves. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets, to love God with all that we are, and our neighbour as ourselves. I don't know about you, but this is a journey. It is a journey. It is a journey of growth, loving God and loving those around us. Because you know, there's people that have a habit of stepping on our toes. It's hard to love them. And, and I have a guess. You know, it's hard for me to believe it, but maybe I, I step on people's toes. Oh, sorry, Elizabeth. Maybe I've stepped. <laughs> maybe I've stepped on some people's toes as well. well. I'm sure I have. And it's not easy, but we have to love God and love others. It is the, the mission, part of the mission, that at the core of what the gospel is about. In Romans 12, 17, 18, it says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. As far as it depends on you. But sometimes, even as much as we try, others put up walls. And we can't live at peace with all everybody because they put up walls sometimes people are abusive and this passage is not giving us um telling us to stay in abusive relationship it is not telling us that at all it is not healthy for us to stay in a place that is abusive for us that is harmful for us It is not a good place to be. There are times where there are some people that we should not be around because it's not healthy for us, and it can destroy us. We've tried, but they've put up a wall. They're abusive. They're harmful. And sometimes it is good to see some people move out of those situations because it's not healthy. It should also be noted that the oneness that Jesus cries out for all of us is the same kind of oneness that is shared with the Trinity in John seventeen, eleven, as we are one. He wants us to have a oneness with each other as He is as as the Trinity is one. And in verse twenty one it says of John seventeen, that they may all be one, just as you the Father in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. Just that oneness. Jesus prayed for this oneness four times in this chapter over and over again praying that the people may become perfectly one. There can be no greater perfection of oneness than the oneness that the Trinity experiences and this is what he's calling us to this, this perfect oneness within the church family within the family as Christians. <coughs> Thus this is at the core of the gospel message a relationship with God, and a relationship with others. And at the height of that, it should be experienced in the church. I've often shared, look at the problems in our world. If there's a place where we can come together as one, it has to be in the church. It has to be in the church because of what Christ has done. The bitter disputes, the deep conflicts, the bitterness has no place in the life of the church. Those behaviours contradict the message. It contradicts the message. Is it any wonder why at times the world is not listening to what Christians say? Because the message that we share may be different to the message that is proclaimed in the Word of God. The world appears to see the need for religion. But it's not so, or rather they, the need to listen to Jesus, but they're not so interested at times about what the church has to say. At the beginning of the year, I sent out a message to the Queensland churches, and it was that the RE, um, RI teachers, that there were 100,000, um, students that wanted to learn, but there wasn't enough, uh, teachers. And it just from and many of those come from non-Christian or non-church-going backgrounds. And their parents are saying that we like what Jesus is saying, but we're not too sure about what the church is saying. And I think this is a challenge to us. And again, I look at John 13, 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I love you and also you are to love one another, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. We are very committed to reaching out to the world to evangelize. We're very committed to witnessing, but the greatest witness we have as a church is our love for one another. The greatest witness that this church has over 40 years is its love for one another, is its care for one another. And that's why... People have kept coming back and wanting to care for one another, wanting to love one another, but we're on a journey of growth. Sometimes the church gets sidetracked. Sometimes we get sidetracked. But to make it more personal, sometimes I get sidetracked. Sometimes I can be so focused on the work that I'm doing that I can forget about the people that are just interference to the work I'm doing. But that's a sidetrack. I'll tell a, a positive story about Alan Brown. It's the only one I know. But 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 we were on a train together, and um, we were going up north, and um, there th- we went into the uh, bar. I oh wait, it was a cafe, and, and I put my lap, laptop down and opened it up and started working. And next minute, uh, Alan's there. You know, anyone who knows Alan, he'll talk to anything that moves. Anyway, uh, a guy comes in, and he's a police officer. Alan starts talking to him. Next minute, an architect comes in, and he starts talking. I thought I was in a joke, you know? You know, a policeman walks in the bar, a minister walks in the bar, and an architect. A- a- and they're just talking around me. I'm trying to get some work done, but it became clear that my work wasn't on the laptop. It was with those guys around me. And I had to stop what I had to do, and I had to focus on the people... And my wife and I had the opportunity to um, be invited to the architect's place here in Rocky and have a meal with them. I get sidetracked. Maybe I'm the only one. Get focused on other things. When our focus needs to be on people, it needs to be about loving them. I'm reminded of the song, you know, I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. That beautiful song by Matt Rednan. We could change the words and say, I'm coming back to the heart of the gospel, which is all about loving God and loving others, loving people around us. That's the challenge for us. I think of 1 Corinthians thirteen, one, where it says, If I speak in the tongues of men of our angels, But have not love, I am a noisy gong and clanging cymbal. There's been times in my life where all I've been doing is making a noise. Just making a noise. I don't want to make a noise. I want love to be shining through. Jesus described unity as our witness, and he stated this twice in this prayer in John 17 where it says, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And also, so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you have loved me. And then in 26, I have made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is at the core of the gospel message. The core of the gospel message is loving God and loving others. It is about a relationship. It's about restoration. And without this core, we've lost the message of the gospel. We've gone off track. But the good news today, I believe in this place, is that the core is here, that you do love one another. But I also know, like me, you want to grow in that. You want to love one another more. You want to... Journey down that path of loving God more and loving each other more. And you want it to be so obvious that the world sees that and wants to be a part of that. That is our desire. And that's my desire for you as you go into the next 41 plus years is my desire for all our churches across our country. Because it is about the story of restoration. But as I think of all this, just quickly in closing, It is hard sometimes to have this kind of love, to journey down this path, to forgive people and to fulfill the Great Commission. But I love those final words where it says, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And if I didn't have that, I'd give up. Rex there's no way you can do this. But Jesus is with me. Jesus is with you. And at times we don't have the strength to do it, but I stand here before you today and remind you that Jesus is with you. He is with you till the end of the age and he will do this in and through you. And we need to reach out to him and take a hold of him and allow him to do this work in and through our lives. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here, Lord. I thank you for the lessons that uh, we have learnt together. I thank you for the things that they have taught me by their life and before I came on the scenes here in Rocky, when I came on the scenes and even the lessons they've taught me afterwards and seeing what you've been doing uh, through them uh, under the leadership of Pastor Keith, Father, and to know, Father, to be reassured that you are here, Lord, and then you are at work and you are here to the end of the age. And so, Father, I just commit them to you, Father, and ask that you would continue to lead them into the future, continue to bless them, Father, continue to encourage them in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.